Hi, everybody. This is John Montoya. And this is John Parings. We're authorized infinite banking practitioners and hosts of the fifth edition. Thank you so much for joining us for episode 53, what we are calling the art of war. I'm actually kind of thinking of calling it in my own head, the Karate Kid episode. And the reason why is this. I was talking about the Karate Kid, how I grew up watching this movie. It's an iconic movie. I think most everyone has watched the Karate Kid at least once. For me, growing up watching the Karate Kid, what feels like a thousand times, I had a sense of what that movie was all about when it comes to martial arts. And this is kind of the lens that I use when I think of IBC. And I was thinking, well, you know, Mr. Miyagi, he teaches karate and he teaches defense first. And that's really what karate is all about. And wouldn't you know it, my colleague here, Mr. Perrins, 30 years expert in martial arts, corrected me. And he told me that, well, you know, actually, karate isn't defense first. And we started relating this to IBC. And here we go. We're going to give you a way to look at IBC, where instead of thinking of it in a defensive frame of mind, we want you to look at it as a way to be on the offensive, just like apparently the way it works in actual karate. But uh, John, uh, let me have you jump in here. Where where did I go wrong? (laughs) Yeah, it's not so much where you went wrong. And and just like everything else, you know, we learn things by relating them to other things. So you'll hear a lot of people talk about playing offense and playing defense. You know, when it comes to your financial life or in sales or in business, it's common because in, in America we watch sports. And so it's it's easy to kind of, you know, take those things and, and relate them to something new to give us a frame of reference, right? But if we're using martial arts, you know, I look at the analogy a little bit differently. If you take the word martial, that's actually, you know, relates to war. And in war, it's not really about defense. It should always be offensive. And, you know, martial arts is part of that. You know, it should be about positioning yourself to be able to do two things at the same time, which is, of course, protect yourself, but also attack. And so in True martial arts, you know, non-sports based types of martial arts, there shouldn't really be a focus on trading shots, you know, like getting hit to be able to hit a couple more times. That's a sports based mentality, right? So in martial arts, if there's a threat and it's war, it's like the final scenario. Consequences don't get any higher than that. You want to be able to end a threat as quickly as possible without being hurt. And every move you make has to support this. So we're constantly, you know, in a state of awareness and a state of finding the correct positioning so that we don't get killed, number one. And at the same time, every move has to maintain this for ourselves while we're reducing that for the other opponent until we win. Well, let's put it this way. If we relate it back to money, you know, if you have to only defend in karate or martial arts, whatever it is, if you MMA, it doesn't matter. If you With a block, if all you do is block, you're behind in time. It's a suboptimal move just to do a block, right? So Mr. Miyagi showed the, you know, paint the fence, you know, hammer the nail and doing all that stuff. And that was just to build in skill sets. Money's the same way. We have to have awareness on how money moves and we have to be able to position money correctly so that we never put ourselves in financial danger, but then we're also prepared to move quickly to take advantage of opportunities or like openings, if you will. I think most people, you know, following the typical sort of financial advice, you know, they've almost, if we use the war analogy, they've been conscripted into the financial institutions 
war. It's somebody else's war. And they're usually cannon fodder, right? Like they're not the ones that are actually reaping the rewards of winning that war. They're the ones that are helping the financial institutions win. So it's kind of like, you know, one of my coaches, Trent Fortner, he has a, a great line of, you know, are you positioning yourself where you're going to have to react to the coming changes? Because changes are always coming, right? Are you positioned to react to that? Or are you in a position to take advantage of those changes? And that's, I think, the big difference in that mindset and that mentality of being able to make those moves rather than just block, you're actually closing in. And as you're blocking, you're setting yourself up to take that next shot. So as it relates to IBC, then, where can we learn the crane kick? <laughs> yeah. You know, the crane kick is being liquid because the number one rule of investing is buy low, sell high. Really, everyone that I'm talking to, their current status is they're just putting money into whatever investments they can find. People are telling people to buy in the stock market. Real estate people are telling people to buy real estate right now. And they're just looking for deals and buying it no matter what the, the metrics are. Whereas with IBC, since we're strategically capitalizing... We don't have as much of a lost opportunity cost to be liquid and be strong in cash. If you look at the really big investors out, a lot of them are holding on to just tons and tons of cash right now, just ready. They're, they're the ones that are ready to make this happen. Like if, if things get worse, to use your analogy that you've used before and there's blood in the streets, the ones that are liquid are the ones that are going to be able to take advantage of opportunities. What do you feel with the way that you've learned martial arts? Like, what is the foundation? Because when I think of IBC, I think of that as the starting point. So for you being on the attack, it's got me thinking you're more like the bad boy, Johnny versus Danny LaRusso. What is your foundation there and relate it to IBC? Help me understand it from that end. You know, Danny could have been the good guy or, you know, by the way, there's a YouTube video out there that portrays Danny as actually the bad guy in the whole movie. It's pretty good. You should check it out. So like, so bad guy, good guy is kind of a subjective assessment, right? And it's just about being able to have the structure set up to be able to go first and make the right decision. And sometimes going first doesn't mean throwing the first punch. It means waiting for the right opportunity to throw the first punch or waiting for the right opportunity to attack, putting yourself in the right time and space to make that so that you win. So it's setting yourself up to win where ideally the other person just doesn't even have a chance. And so I think what I heard there, a really important word you said was structure, right? If you have the right structure in place, then you're set up to win. You're, you're set up to take advantage. But what happens is for most Americans, they don't have the right structure in place because they haven't learned where to park capital. They haven't learned where to really aggregate money so that it's available working for them in a three-dimensional way versus a two-dimensional way. That's something that you've talked about in previous episodes. But that structure, so important. I, I think you know the traditional finance rules that most people apply, which they don't really learn it as so much as they are conditioned to do a certain thing because that's what most people do. But what happens is th there's a certain lack of structure that we see all the time uh, with the people that we talk to who are yet to get started with IBC. And what IBC does allow is a setup where they have a tool to take control of their money, take control of their finances. 
that's what I think of when you say structure. It, it kind of hits home for me. I think that's a great way to put it. It's kind of like, it's like the guy in the gym who's always doing curl, buys and tries in the gym, but never does legs. There's also stories out there of people who can street fight. And those are guys who they don't play by rules and they, they know how to win fights in the street. But if you put one of those people in the octagon in a professional MMA fight where they actually have to follow those rules, they probably would not win because they're, they have to, now they're playing by a set of rules that they're not accustomed to playing by. And so they would go in there and probably get smashed without any training, right? So if they just went right off the street, no training, went into the octagon and that's what the typical investor does. They're, they're going in and playing, you know, they're going in and fighting an MMA match and they don't even know what the rules are. You know, UFC, they're making up the rules and that's the big banks in this analogy. On the MMA, mixed martial arts, UFC, the, what was created in the 90s, from my understanding, that was kind of a, initially at least, there were no rules. Is that correct? There were a few rules, but yeah, very, very few. Yep. Okay. But nowadays there are more rules, correct? Yeah. Yep. Okay. And so with personal finance, what type of rules are there? Like what is the traditional rule set that most people believe exist, but aren't really so? A big one is that they just think that the market's always going to go up. I mean, you know, right now you've got kind of young people who've been working for maybe 10, 15 years, and they've never experienced a down market. They don't even really realize that you can lose. I mean, I get into LinkedIn and other forum conversations all the time, and people just constantly are telling me, well, why would I put my money in a less risky asset when I can put it into a higher risk asset and make more money? And it's like what? It's like they, they just completely forget that the risk part is there. It just it kind of baffles me a little bit. But, you know, I guess some of the other rules are, for example, like with a 401k, not many people really know what the rules are around a 401k. They just, they go in, they get their employment papers, their HR manager gives them the paperwork that has dozen options that they can choose from. And then they just pick one super ambiguous and arbitrary, by the way. They're like, okay, I'll take the medium risk one, I guess. And then they just start dumping money in there and they don't really know what the rules are around what happens when it comes time to get it out. I would say they also don't realize the rules around banking. Look up Carlos Lara's article about banking. Did you know that back when they had the drive up deposit window at the bank, you put your money in that little container, it gets sucked up through that vacuum tube. And the second it got into the bank's building, you actually no longer had legal ownership of that money that you put in there. And so I don't think people realize, you know, what's happening with ownership and who owns what in their banks and brokerage accounts and all that stuff. I don't think people realize who's in control of the deals they're doing, you know, with some of these real estate syndication deals. They're seeing maybe they have some collateral, but I don't think they realize the rules around what happens if that investment doesn't work out, like what happens to that collateral. So those are just a few things off the top of my head. Yeah. And, you know, I think what's interesting too is that even the perceived rules of how to get ahead in build a net worth. Let's uh, use the example 40 years ago with the creation of 401ks and IRAs kind of set a, a blueprint, if you will, of how to save for retirement. What's interesting is that this experiment with 401ks, IRAs, 40 years later, how is this working out? We're, we're coming to this end result where people are going to go into retirement and 
are retiring with their 401ks, IRAs. And what we're seeing is that they haven't saved enough, that there's too much volatility. They can't create income from these retirement accounts. Basically, all the things that they were told or promised what would happen if they did these things really aren't materializing. So I think, well, what about the 20-somethings that are now entering the workforce? They're entering this perceived playbook on how to save for retirement, and it didn't even work for their parents. It's not working for their parents. And so that's a great point. What are they to do? Follow in the same footsteps, knowing that if it didn't work for their parents, that they should, well, lacking an alternative, continue to go down that same road. I would question, have the rules changed? Were they just flawed to begin with? Or is that just the the economic reality that we have to experiment and, you know, this one didn't work out. Hopefully there's something else better out there. And maybe IBC is is that foundational piece that they're missing. That's my conclusion. But what's your take on that? Well, another thing to think about with the rules is, you know, with any like MMA or, you know, football or boxing or, you know, whatever, whatever it is, there are rules that get put out there to protect the fighters. Those rules are always created and looked at through a lens of what's going to make the best fight to bring in that money. I don't think the financial industry is any different. We're all told we're protected, you know, like FDIC, you know, we're, we're told that our money in the bank is safe, but I don't think any, I don't think people realize how close and how the FDIC really, they couldn't even really cover it the last time in 2008. They had to dip into some other sources and who knows if they're going to be able to cover it this time. You know, so there are these, you know, I think fake rules in place we're told are there to protect us. But I, don't, I think if people actually took a look into how those things are, are structured, they might have an, a, a different opinion about it. And so IBC, I think we're creating a system with our own rules. It's okay to go out there and take some risk. Like if you're that person that believes in high risk, high return, great, more power to you. Like I don't ever try to like stop people other than maybe giving them some advice on like asset allocation kind of stuff. But as long as you have a portion of your life that's guaranteed, then you can, you know, you can go out and take risk in other areas. You don't have to worry about it so much without banking the whole farm on it. With IBC, we're able to start creating our own rules around things and we don't have to go into the MMA ring and fight by their rules. We can go out fight by our own rules. Of course, following the law, those are rules that you know we have to look at as real. But it's like we can find opportunities that don't necessarily follow the normal rules of how we're being taught to use our money. Oh, here's a rule that I just thought of. How about the 4% rule? And we talked about this in episode 52, where we have a whole presentation on this, but everyone's taught the try to get as big of a retirement account as you can. And then you have the 4% rule where you can withdraw 4% of your starting amount in retirement safely for the rest of your life. Well, that was the 4% rule 20 years ago or however long that came out. And now it's kind of agreed upon that maybe that 4% rule is more like the two and a half percent rule. And then the other percent rule, we all thought inflation was like around three to 4%. Well, guess what? Now we're finding out it's more like 9%. And that's the official statistics. You know, start adding in food and energy to those numbers. And we, I think we'll start finding out that the official inflation numbers are way higher than 90%, 9%. So how about those rules that we think we're playing by that may not be there when we need it? Back to your 20-year-old. I'm just going on a tear here, John. Go ahead, because I am at a loss for words. I, 
my MMA fighting style has been debunked. <laughs> yeah, you were talking about a 20-year-old. First of all, the so- Social Security right now cannot is not making enough money to meet its obligations right now. So we probably, you and I, John, in our 40s, I think we're close to the same age, late 40s, we probably will not get Social Security. Imagine this 20-year-old, 24-year-old, 22-year-old coming into the job market now funding Social Security. Like, what a joke. That that kid, there's no way he's getting anything out of that. Oh, That's real a quick. That sucks for a 20-year-old. Totally. My, my son just got his first job. He asked me, what's Medicare? Why am I paying for that? And I just couldn't help <laughs> yes. but laugh. I'm like, man, you will never see a dollar of that. And that's just <laughs> Medicare. Get used to it, son. Oh my God. You're like, uh, look up the definition of Ponzi scheme. And you'll we, see that. That's you know, exactly we did talk is. about that. I, I brought that up because he didn't know nice. what a Ponzi scheme was. And I said, well, that's social security and that's what you're paying into as well. <laughs> right. Yep. Pretty simple. I think we, we try to use as many analogies on this show as we can to just try to meet people where they are and help them see things from, you know, something that's easy for them. And I think the good news about this is as opposed to like an actual warrior, they have to have this mindset of always attacking everything they do moves towards winning, not just defending And so they have to have that mindset, but then they also have to put in thousands and thousands and thousands of reps of training in order to make it so that they can actually do that in a physical type of confrontation. So the good news is that when it comes to our money, all you really have to do is change your mindset. And then you have to have some awareness around like how now, how can I actually implement this? Right. But it's not like it takes a long time to learn how to rep it. You can apply it much more quickly than you can, you know, as a real fighter, you don't have to, you know, spend 10 years in training to be able to do this. I mean, you have to know some of the right people to just find the right products and services. You know, once your mindset changes, you can make this pretty quickly. The other side of the coin of the mindset changes. You spend some time to change your mindset. Like you're listening to this podcast right now, dear listener. And the next thing you do, you're going to turn on the TV or open up a newspaper and all the status quo stuff is going to be right there reinforcing itself for you. And so it's, it becomes a challenge to change your mindset because everyone out there is the opposite of this. It's, it's pretty crazy. So you got to find the right people to talk to and make sure you're not getting re- educated playing by somebody else's rules. So in other words, find a good sensei. (laughs) All right. There you go. Find yourself a guide. Right. A teacher, an IBC practitioner. Oh yeah. That's what we are. There you go. All right. Well, if you're looking for an IBC practitioner, while we hope that you do choose us, you can always go to the Infinite Banking Institute and they have a whole list of practitioners all across the United States. Don't hesitate to get started on IBC, whether that's getting the book, continuing to listen to more of our episodes. Make sure that you, like a shark, keep on swimming forward. You don't want to drown in all the information that's out there. We have this IBC system, this strategy based off a whole life policy that's been around for almost 200 years and is proven to work. And that's regardless of what rules may exist around it, IBC just flat out works and whole life policies, they're designed, they're guaranteed contractually to work out. 
even if you're not around to see it. And there's so many benefits that you know we cover in this podcast that IBC provides. You just got to take the next step. Be on the offensive, as my colleague John Perrins has educated me on when it comes to martial arts. So uh, take the next step forward. You can go to the fifthedition.com. You can book time with us or reach out if you have a question. We'll help you take those next steps. Awesome. That was a fun talk. Thanks, John. All right. Thank you.